All right, let's get on on our topic about China. Yes. So there is a lot going on with China, of course, there is. on all fronts. But yes. today, like we said, we're going to focus on economics. You've been in China before, right? I have. So and you did a school tour, I believe. Was it uh, so I did. Yeah, I did a corporate visit. So corporate. My, yeah, okay. my degree is actually in global business. And so my intention was to be an expat in China or mm -hmm. South Korea mm -hmm. um, after I graduated. And so I did corporate visits. Uh, and I was at the time, I was actually very impressed with how quickly China's economy was growing. Mm -hmm. But one of the one of the reasons that uh, any economy grows actually is because of debt. So there is a cycle and uh, Ray Dalio actually spells this cycle out extremely well. And one of the ways that countries really grow and gain power is through acquiring debt. So if okay. you look at this, so this is from Morgan Stanley. So this is China's level of debt. You have household debt, which has grown substantially. So this is from 2000, from 2008 until, um, now and then projected into the into the future. Okay. So we have household debt in China that has grown substantially and we have government debt that's grown substantially, but it's actually non-financial corporate corporations that have grown in massive amounts of debt. So what we're looking at right now is the Ch China's debt is now 300% of GDP, which is really substantial. And so in, in a sense, you know, we've talked a lot about the United States and our debt crisis because our debt crisis is horrendous. Oh, yeah, and right. we've just been, you know, proverbially kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road until we can't do it anymore. But unfortunately, <clears throat> China seems to be doing a similar thing also. Okay. And so one of the big problems that's happened. So, you know, we have. But, but hold on, hold on a second. Yes. Is it at the same level as the United States? In other words. The, the, the nothing debt. is at the same <laughs> okay so that means china is on a safer path shall we say in comparison to the u.s for the outcome no you know what i'm getting at maybe right? not so okay. here's the thing so the country that actually has the largest amount of debt uh per gdp is japan japan yeah and yeah. japan has been functioning this way for a while um for actually a long while but the the real issue with China is that there's kind of um, you know how there was or is a coordinated attack against the U.S. dollar to sort of dethrone it as as global currency. Yeah. Right now we're seeing kind I of. I gotta I gotta challenge you. Okay. I go gotta ahead, go challenge ahead, go ahead. you. <laughs> yeah. Just on the wording, coordinated. Yeah. Because how that happened to begin with, due to our own. Right. I agree. Policies. I agree. So it's it's and it's sanctions. A reaction. Absolutely. It's a reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. So yes, I see the wording you meant. Yeah. You meant good with it. However, <laughs> I have to. I couldn't. I couldn't. This lit pass. <laughs> you know me. I'm like a filter. Yes. You absolutely sure. are. I have to make sure. But I know what you meant. I yeah. know what you mean. It's a coordinate in the sense of countries are fed up. They are fed yeah. up. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I just find out that about ninety percent projected. All the energy transactions will be done in none other than U.S. dollar. Yeah, that's moving forward. But you're absolutely correct. Companies have uh, companies, countries have coordinated to move that direction. Right. So. They have, and understandably, like you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. That's absolutely understandable. You know, right now we're looking at a situation where sanctions have been weaponized to the extent that countries had to go figure something, something. else out. Yeah. 
And being tied to the US dollar means that anytime the interest rate goes up, anytime there's fluctuations in the value of the dollar, it's other currencies have a much harder time regulating their own economies because of that. So the dollar unfortunately has been weaponized. And when you weaponize something to that extent, people find other ways. And that's what seems to have happened. And that explains why China also is getting rid of the U.S. treasuries. Right. As a matter of fact, if I am to say, uh, if I am to think in terms of the historical trends, Mm -hmm. I'll go back to the 80s. How was the yeah. how was the economy in Japan at the right. time? Oh right. So well, who sank the economy of Japan? The, we did. Yeah. We did. Well, because, and the Japanese also. Yeah, but but it was it was planned. It was. Yeah. We did not want Japan to move that right. fast. It was moving at a faster pace than you can even imagine. Right. And we had to figure out a way of how to sink their economy through the financial aspects of it. Yep. Using the dollar. That's why they. Uh, sort of uh, bought a lot of U.S. treasuries, and they are the largest holder. I don't see the same outcome with China. I I don't, and here's the reason I don't, because China is a very large economy, okay. and so you know Japan, although um, Japan is is you know kind of big on the global stage, they're a small economy, they're a small country. Yeah, China isn't, and China has a large percent of the world's population uh, so does india of course but india's economy isn't the same oh, as china's in- economy it's not even in the same yeah, you can even field. you can even compare those right two it's not comparable actually believe it or not at some point mm-hmm. uh, actually i'm glad you brought this up because i'm yeah. going to share it with you guys all of you to see at some point i'm going to show you a graph yeah and just you guys take a look and you'll see how at some point china and india Economy crossed like this. Really? Yeah. But after yeah, that, yeah. it went up. So, it went up. so take a look at this, guys. I'm going to show you here. Share it with you. And look at this graph. Mm. Can you see? Nope. Yep, it's there coming. it is. Okay. Now, <laughs> it's coming. just watch this where it, where it will cross in the 81. Mm. 81, 82, 83. And look what happened after that. Look where it's going. Right there. It crosses. Then all of a sudden... Oh, just India look at drops that. Off. Look yeah. At that. Wow. Look at that. That's very interesting. Yeah. All the way up. So I'm glad you brought this up because to those who argue that China, uh, India is going to be the superpower, it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, India is not going to overtake China. Oh, God. And China is going to overtake the U.S. <laughs> yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. why I wanted to share this with you. No, that's a wonderful yeah. graph. Thank you so, so much for sharing this. Share the, yeah, I get them on my uh, my Twitter feed. So, yeah. So just to highlight to you guys. Uh, that's where... a great representation exactly so that was going to tie it to yes. your your point about where china's headed with its gdp and debt right so mm-hmm. and i want to be clear that it's debt is something that is very typically used to build up a country mm-hmm. so this isn't something crazy this isn't something that china shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. um it's just you know sometimes when you grow you things get out of hand And so one of the things, you know, we watched Evergrande, right? So we had Evergrande Mm -hmm. and then the formerly largest property developer, Country Garden, um, I think it's... 
so they entered actually into a grace period because they also had uh they also had failure problems they missed payments yeah so not only them okay but so now one of the country's biggest private wealth managers missed payments on multiple shadow banking meaning high yield mm -hmm. uh products so i want to speak to china's real estate for a second because china's yeah. real estate is possibly the largest asset class on the planet. And I want to show this, uh, I want to show this graph um, showing exactly how big China's, there it is, oh. uh, showing exactly how big China's, especially residential property asset class is. It's huge. Look at it compared even to the United States. Wow. That's substantial. So for China to have these problems in the real estate sector isn't the same as if the United States was, although when the United States had problems in the real estate sector, for example, 2008, the situation was horrendous. Well, we saw the outcome of that. Right. We unfortunately saw the outcome of that. Yeah. But but I so when China's having problems in this asset class, it's a really big problem. Big problem. Yeah. OK, so now back to Zhang Ji. I hope I pronounced that right. Mm -hmm. Enterprise Group, which Bloomberg calls it a secretive financial conglomerate that manages about one trillion yuan, which is one hundred and thirty eight billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And so they have actually uh, missed payments oh. and a total of one hundred and six trust products worth forty four billion yuan defaulted this year alone through July thirty uh, first. So mm. last month. Um, according to data provided by Use Trust, and real estate investments accounted for seventy-four percent of that by value. So, looking at the how, and I know that this is like a lot of heavy information, yeah. but it's important that we're looking at how important China's real estate is to China, and yeah. looking at where a lot of these things are failing, and that's yeah. real estate investments. So. In between China's Garden, uh, uh, Country Garden, Evergrande, and now Zhangzhou Enterprise, we're starting to see. And, you know, China's economy's growth has slowed substantially. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to bring this up because China is facing a lot of these problems as it's sort of externally trying to mitigate them. Mm -hmm. China's youth unemployment rate is seriously high. From April to June, the jobless rate for 16 to 24 year olds. So, I mean, this is this is a population of young people yeah. that should really be beginning their lives reached 21.3 percent. I wonder why that is. I also wonder why that is. So if I am to think outside the box, I would say the advancements in technology we now convince the young generation to say, well, will I need to work for, let's say, hypothetically for yeah. $2 a that's, day? That's a great hour, question, yeah. When I could do something else differently. So why even bother yeah. with working? However, knowing what I know a little bit about the Chinese culture and right. the mindset, they won't think like that. Right. Uh, that's unfortunately a little well, bit of a Western mindset. Well, because that's one thing about the changes on, in society. Yeah. Anytime society advances, the mindset also exactly. will have to reflect that one. Uh, that that's just me thinking outside the box here, looking 
from outside in. Yeah. Because it, it surprised me when I read the stats too. Right. Why the young unemployment or youth unemployment rather in China is high. It's so high. So is this a reflection of the new direction of the where China's headed as yeah. far as technology and all that stuff? Uh, young people don't want to work. Right. Uh, that's kind of. Well, I don't, you know, it's, it's probably a combination of yeah. things, right? It's probably yeah. a combination of the jobs that they went to university for so are not means, there, right? Which means society is becoming more educated. Right. And that's a, that's a similar thing that actually happened here and happens in countries as they yeah. get stronger and stronger economically. And we, we've been having a lot of conversations about Africa recently. Yeah. And one of the biggest reasons is because look at all of the, like the world's eyes are turning to Africa. For one sure. of the reasons is because Africa is starting to develop. And so right now we're seeing population boom in Africa. And it has a young young population and it has a young and growing population yeah and population that is actually willing to work for you know a very very low wages which is one of the ways that china actually built up what it has now yeah well that is what i say the difference about the the new uh, lifestyle in china of yeah. today versus 40 years ago 40 years ago, Hugely there different. weren't many conveniences per se. Mm -hmm. So the young generation that is born into the, you know, the 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 web yeah. era and all that, and TikTok and all that stuff, they're not gonna know about the hardships of what that country went right. through before. It's no different than what we have here with the young generations. They yeah. don't understand. Yeah, they have no clue. They think uh, it's given that they have to have. A, B, C, and D. Yeah. No, you don't have to have. You have to work and earn whatever. Right. You don't. It's not given. I don't believe in handy. So, and this is the problem we did on a government level. Yeah. We had the housing problem. Yep. Did you know that the, our government bailed out to the big banks for that? $780 sure billion. Dollars. <laughs> and you know who paid for that? We did. We did. And as a matter of fact, we haven't get that money back. And we never will. And where so. did that money go? Yeah, that so. money went to CEOs, uh, C-suites, board I of directors. Tracked, I tracked some, yeah. believe it or not. Really? Yeah. yeah, they were given as bonuses for Christmas on that yeah. twenty uh, on 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 the Christmas of two thousand eight and on the Christmas of two thousand nine. And were they given as bonuses to everyone no, or no, just the, the higher CEOs, ups? Just yeah, use the higher ups, the higher ups. Mm -hmm. So and and Obama because he came. The president in 2008 yeah. pushed for that. Oh, we're gonna have the the the, the companies pay back the taxpayer. That never happened. Liar. He lied. He of lied. course he so, did. So this is where now I've seen. I read some articles about what's going on in China. Yeah. And a lot of voices inside China saying, "Forget about bailing them out." Yeah. And I agree with that assertion, and I sort of. Personally, I would support if I were in a position of policy making. Yeah. That's what I will go for. Yeah. You know, honestly, I would too. Yeah. They created the problem. Yeah. They have to deal with the consequences. So it becomes the question of should the government in Beijing bail out those right. or let them fail? There yeah. are two uh, uh, sort of uh, school of thoughts regarding that. Yeah. One, it says if, if Beijing let those companies uh, deal with the consequences, then it will send a strong signal to other companies not to take on more debt that they right. can afford. Right. 
the other school of thought is saying that will be bad reflection on China's own global stage. That it couldn't even have its order, its uh, its uh, business. In, uh, what am I doing? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that it's business that is, has a business yeah. in order yeah. domestically. Yeah. Because if you are to move on a stage of being a global mm-hmm. superpower, how can you like the example of India? Right. You know, not, I'm not picking on India here, it's just it's a real example. Yeah. How can India be talking about or super status, superpower status when your infrastructure right. at home inside is is a mess. And the thing and is, poverty. everyone knows that. Yeah. Everyone really, knows it. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm starting to feel comfortable calling uh, the prime minister Modi an mm-hmm. ideologue. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting things to be amazing, so, but the reality is yeah. that they're, uh, they're not. Yeah. China on the other hand is different, of course, yeah. because where it is infrastructure and so forth. Very but different. it's still that per se, like I always say in international relations, context matters. Yeah. The fact that it will be perceived on the global stage that, what China couldn't take care of its domestic yeah. mess with the debt of these companies. So that's why I'm saying we're just presenting the argument here for yeah. you to see both sides of the argument. We can't say, well, this is right or this is wrong. No, right, no, no, no. Right. We're just presenting the argument. And this is where I see uh, where that youth unemployment is almost tied to that idea of the, the advancements that the Chinese society is experiencing. Yeah. The, the, uh, the standard of living right it's going up right so is this gonna be bad well first of all it is to have that level of unemployment in in any economy is a problem i'm surprised and china has a very large older population and Mm -hmm. a smaller younger population Uh and i understand why that happened i understand why they felt that they needed to do the one child policy back then then. but i think that there was no real understanding for the economic consequence either there was no real understanding for the economic consequences of that in the future Mm -hmm. or they didn't care and whoever was in charge then was just like i'm gonna kick the can down the road and that's their problem there's a third option what is that it? could be was done just for a certain time period uh, uh, time period rather yeah or rather uh, another word you could uh, uh the policy when it was implemented back in the 80s if i'm not mistaken yeah uh, it could have been thought of in beijing at that time and i don't know this for sure I'm yeah just me thinking outside I don't either. it could be for let's say let's implement this policy for the next two decades right or a decade and a half and we see where things will go because remember beijing reversed Right, they did. So they did. So somebody figured out. Saying, that's like, why I'm saying that what I'm saying. It, yeah. it convinced me that yeah. the thinking back then was it's going to be just temporary. Temporary. That, that's that's well, even thinking. temporary, even for the couple decades that it went it on, created, it yes. created some yes. economic challenges that didn't show up initially, yeah. but they did show up and they are showing up now. Yeah. Um, so, and I also, this to me, and I think globally, this was actually a very questionable move, the mm-hmm. the strictness of the zero COVID policy that, that China enacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was only released at the beginning of this year. I mean, it was, it was for a very long time. Yeah. It was very strict. The problem with that is it constricted the economy. It constricted out economic output. It constricted the economy and uh, China's economy. And so, and it, in it constricted foreign investment. 
And so I don't know. I actually wondered what sort of what their thinking was in that in the zero COVID policy by doing that, because I I personally never take anything at face value, right? So if there's a policy enacted, yeah. I very rarely, if ever, think that that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. I always think it's about something else. But across the board, those policies across the board in the countries that were the most extreme, it caused damage to the economy. It caused huge damage to our economy here in the United States. Well, for us, it was also by design. Yes. We can talk more about that on Rumble. Rumble And we intend to. But a lot of voices. I remember even Peter Schiff. He came on the show, remember? remember? And he said. The policies that are enacted during this time period, people things are going to get way more expensive. So if you need to buy something buy that's now. expensive, buy it now, which was back then. Yeah. What and and he said that people are going to not be able to afford to live in their own homes. They're going to have to move in with family members. What's happened? Which is exactly that's Especially exactly what people. happened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah I think I know. I believe China did did because I believe the are aware based again on the reading that I've done. Yeah. And I usually read around before I'll say something. Of course. To make sure. Uh, they did understand that, you know, whatever needed to be done during that period, it was done, except yeah. it was also time to reverse that. Right. And they did. That's why you see, I just saw an article two days ago about the travel. It's yeah. completely open now. You get travel. That's that's because they realize also the impact it had on the economy. Oh, huge so, impact! But on it was the it wasn't just them. Yeah, it was on a global level. Global so level. Because this was managed certain ways. Yeah, and we'll talk about that one on a rumble. Yes, that's something we can't we can't talk yeah. about much here. So the idea the idea of understanding to tie this one to the current, uh, for example, youth unemployment or even the state of the economy for for China, it's still. Still doing better than other countries. It, I mean, it is in the big picture. It is. Yeah. I read the the uh, the estimation or the estimate, rather the uh, the uh, what do we call it, the forecast yeah. of the IMF at that point when it said, "Well, the Chinese economy is going to go down by about yeah. two point five. When in reality, it was in reverse. Yeah, it was in reverse. I think I did talk about it in one of those videos. And so the the IMF wanted to say that yeah. to justify. Remember, when IMF says something, is to push. Absolutely, and and remember, out. the IMF was uh, the IMF wishy washed uh, oh, recently also about oh it's there's going to be you know there's going to be whatever, and then it wasn't, and then right. uh, so they go back yeah. and forth, right? Oh, well, um, this is why we had the Secretary of Treasury went to China. Yeah, she's yes. very respected over there because she's. Even I liked her magic mushroom situation. Well, yeah, I thought I that was great. I and I'm not even kidding. I actually I thought that mean. was fantastic. Yeah. But she is a data dra- driven. Uh, you yeah. know, Janet Allen tends to look at the numbers. Or whatever. I mean, she was a realistic in some approaches, except for lying about inflation <laughs> being yeah, temporary. No. Come on. Yeah. Uh, be honest and say the truth to the American people. But the idea of her fear, at least based on the what I read right. uh, from some sources, uh, her fear was the issue of you of China selling you as that. Yeah, they are not taking on that for the. Yeah, actually, basically, she was almost asking, "Hey, can you right buy more?" Right, and China said, "Well, we're gonna have to think about that one Absolutely. because what they were doing, China, that is selling the U.S. that and reversing it or converting it to gold yeah. immediately. Yeah, you know, something Japan didn't do." 
Well, uh, Japan maybe well, should. Well, Japan I mean, because it's too late for Japan. Yeah. Japan is is under our firm control. And Japan's economy, yeah. you know, it's been this way for a while, but Japan's economy, I don't know how people don't think it's precarious. No, and that's it is. my personal opinion. And it is. But it is. I, I don't know how people don't think it's more precarious we, than we it is. We intended for it to be 